would turn to James chapter 3 with me, if you would. James chapter 3. You know, how many of you guys believe it's time to step out of doing church as usual? Anybody else agree with that? You know, it's time to stop playing church and time to start being the church. Our Father is so amazing. And you people are so amazing because he made you that way. And you begin to walk out the amazingness that he's created you to do and be. It's going to be wild and crazy. And that's what he's called us. To be wild and crazy. And not in a bad, negative way. But in a powerful, God-honoring, people-serving type of way. Let me ask you this question. What's your self-talk been like this week? How many of you were here last Sunday? Raise your hands. Okay, so those of you who are here, how has your self-talk been? Has it been better? It's been good? How many of you who were here last week um, started making declarations over yourself this week? Raise your hand. Raise them high. I want to see. Okay, good. That's good. I want you to continue that. And those of you who didn't raise your hand, maybe you forgot or whatever, I want to encourage you, let's get after this. This is a life-transforming thing that God has given us that he wants us to partake in. You know, he's not only called, but he's also positioned us to be overcomers and to powerfully advance his kingdom. Do you realize that God has called us to change and dramatically impact our environment? He's called us not just to exist, not just to survive, not just to be around, but he's called us to change. The environment around us is supposed to reflect his kingdom. And since you house the Holy Spirit inside of you, that means wherever you go, his kingdom wants to be released. He wants to be a blessing to people. He loves people. And wherever you go, people should be impacted by the love and power of Jesus through you. That's become my life motto, that wherever I go, people are impacted by the love and power of Jesus Christ, that they have an, they have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And that's what we talked about, <coughs> the importance of our speech, the importance of the things we say. You know, in, in Proverbs 13.3, in the New Living Translation, it says, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. And there's all kinds of scriptures that talk about the power of the tongue. And I want to read a passage out of James chapter 3. I read this last week. I just want to review a little bit. Verse, starting with verse 2, it says, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says... He is a perfect man. Oops, I realized I, got the, I grabbed my wrong translation. Anyway, that's fine. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. They are, though they are so great and are driven by st strong winds, 
are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a force is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. And it goes on and on, but I'm going to stop there. And as I was sharing last week, when, I, when you first read this passage, it looks like there's no hope. As far as the Bible says, no one can tame the tongue. And it talks about the power of our tongue. It, it, it gives illustrations. It talks about a horse, this big, beautiful animal, about a thousand pounds, and one little piece of metal in his mouth can turn his whole body. My, life taught me, my wife taught me that. And just like a big ship, a huge, massive ship, a small rudder can turn that whole massive vessel at the whim of the pilot. And in the same way, as large as we are as humans, our little tongue, this little member, will direct the very course of our lives. <clears throat> and when you look at the verse, it looks like there's no hope because it says no one can tame the tongue. And at face value, that looks like, well, no one can tame the tongue, so therefore, just whatever comes out, comes out. But there are so many scriptures that talk about being careful of what we say. And I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can, our tongues can be tamed because one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, right? And we're full of the Holy Spirit, so that's a fruit that we should expect to manifest in our lives is self-control. And also in the word, it says, Ephesians 4, 29, it says, let no unwholesome or rotten word proceed out of your mouth, but only that which edifies and gives grace to those who hear. That's a command. He's not saying, hey, try if you want to. He's saying, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. If our tongues couldn't be, con couldn't be tamed, then why would he command us to be careful what we say? The Bible also says that there is the power of life and death in the tongue. Proverbs 18 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There's a power of life and death in the tongue. <clears throat> and because we Christians are full of the Holy Spirit, we can choose to speak life. We can choose to speak life. Now, unfortunately, many of us, we may speak life to other people, but we speak death over ourselves. We speak things over ourselves that are contrary to what God says about us. And that needs to change. Last week I talked about, and we're talking about again, we're talking about making biblical declarations over yourself. <clears throat> and last week I shared about seven biblical reasons for declaring. In this book that I'm, I'm uh, encouraging you to purchase, uh, one brother last week thought I was the one that wrote this book. And uh, I did not write this book. I haven't written a book yet. I will. You will get, the, get my book someday, but this isn't it. This is by Steve Backlund. I highly recommend you purchase this book because it, it gives 30 reasons, 30 biblical reasons for making declarations. It talks about the, uh, uh, the things that people have against making declarations. It talks about all that, the objections. 
And it, it's just a very, very practical book. And it even shows you how to formulate and make declarations over yourself, over your family, over your, your job, your school, whatever. It's a very practical book. We're selling them for $10. I don't think you can get them cheaper anywhere else on the face of the planet. Um, but anyway, I have a few up here, and there are some in the, in the book rack out there. So make sure you don't leave today without it. And you can also get the Kindle version, but even the Kindle version is more than $10. So best deal right here at NCF. All right? Um, but anyway, it's so important what we say. And if our, if our life is directed by what we say, then we can understand that it's important what we say. Right? And if you're sitting there calling yourself names, <coughs> I'm never going to mount to anything. I'm stupid. I can't get this right. I'm not good in math. Ooh, I think I hit a nerve. You know, I tell my kids, you're good in math because you're an Ellis. Okay, you are good in math because you're an Ellis. See, my dad, he, he majored in math. I didn't, but I was good in math. I mean, I required divine intervention at times, but I enjoyed math. I was good at math, and I think it's part of my gene pool. I'm, I'm just an Ellis, so I'm good at math. So I tell my kids, you are good at math because you're an Ellis. And so that's what I tell them to say, and not, I can't do this, this is hard. They're not allowed to say that. And so I just want to encourage you that our, our declarations, our talk, our self-talk over ourselves needs to line up with what God says. And the Bible says, do not be conformed. Do you realize that if you're not being transformed, you are being conformed to the world? Many Christians are being conformed to the pattern of the world, and that's why they're ineffective. That's why their lifestyle or their life and their fruit in their lives looks just like that of a non-believer because they're being conformed to this world, the pattern of the world. And the Bible says, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by, by the renewing of your mind. So don't be conformed, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we understand that being renewed, our mind needs to be renewed with the word of God. And I'm so grateful that more of us, many of us, are reading the word regularly now. We're reading the word regularly, and that's wonderful, and that's awesome, and we need to keep doing that. But I would encourage you and challenge you to couple with reading the word is confessing the word over yourself. Confessing the word, making declarations <clears throat> over yourself, saying and agreeing with what God says. Let me give you an example of what I mean by making declarations over yourself. Here's, here's declarations that I make over myself. And these don't necessarily mean that they are true and happening right now. But that's not the point. Remember, your tongue is like a rudder and it's directing your course. So if I'm saying what God is saying about me, then guess what direction I'm going in? I'm going in that direction. If I'm saying that I'm stupid, I, can't, I want to mount to anything, I'll never get a good job, I'll never get this, I'll never get that, then guess what? Your, your actions are going to move in that direction. That's why they call it self-fulfilling prophecy. It's not like something magic happens, but it's like I'm moving. If I say I'm not good at math, if my posture, excuse me, if my, if my speech is I'm not good at math, then my posture is going to represent that. I'm going to give up. I'm going to quit. I'm going to look at the problem and say, I can't do it anyway, so why bother? And so my whole action and mindset and everything is going to line up with my confession. Does that make sense? 
Just like I was sharing last week, I haven't watched any this week. Well, my sad reality is I have Dish Network, and Dish doesn't carry Channel 4. So I don't get to watch the Olympics like I usually do, unless you watch it on apps and that kind of thing. But anyway, last time I was talking about how the, the weightlifters, in the last Olympics I was watching them, and some of them were doing that self-talk. They were talking to themselves. And you couldn't hear what they were saying, but I'm pretty sure they weren't saying, I can't do this. There's no way I can lift this weight. I don't even know why I'm here in the Olympics. I should have stayed home. I'd be willing to bet they're not saying that. Would you agree with that? Because it'd be self-defeating. But they're probably saying something like, I can do this, I got this, I've done this a hundred times. You know, they're building themselves up with their words, talking themselves into what's about to happen. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. Are you with me so far? <laughs> so here are some personal declarations that I make on a daily basis. It says, because of what Jesus said, and since I have the same Holy Spirit in me, I do the same miracles that Jesus does. I hear my Father's voice clearly every day, and I am quick to obey what he tells me. When I lay hands on the sick, they recover. I heal the sick, raise the dead, preach the gospel, set people free from demon possession, and advance the kingdom of my heavenly Father. Because I am renewing my mind by the word of God, I am being transformed into the very image of Jesus. I choose to have a close, intimate relationship with Jesus and allow his word to have its way in me. And as a result, I can ask Jesus what I want and he gives it to me. I don't just survive from day to day, but I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Because of my intimate relationship with the Father, I walk in every good work that he intends for me to walk in. People encounter the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit when they encounter me. I am an amazing administrator, and I weekly accomplish all the practical tasks that I need to to effectively advance his kingdom. I consistently and effectively call out, encourage, bless, and do all that I can to make room for the gifts and purpose that the Lord has for my wife. I am and will continue to be my wife and my children's greatest encourager and cheerleader. And last one, well, that I'm going to share. I have an amazing father, excuse me, I am an amazing father for my children, and I am effectively training and equipping them to powerfully advance his kingdom. And I have several more. And it's interesting because <clears throat> years ago when I started doing this, something that I was taught by the pastor that I got saved under, 1986, they started making these declarations. I was declaring things like, I shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I will raise the dead. I will cast out demons. I wasn't doing any of that. I wasn't doing any of that. At the time that I was making those confessions. But a time after that, guess what I started doing? I started laying hands on the sick. I haven't raised a dead person yet. Anybody want to volunteer? I'll give it a good effort. But what I believe happened was I saw that the word said, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You shall cast out devils. You shall do this. You shall do that. Jesus said, the miracles that I do shall you do also and greater works than these shall you do. So I was confessing what Jesus was saying about me, but I wasn't doing it yet. But then all of a sudden, when I saw opportunities, 
Like if I'm at Walmart or whatever and I saw a person limping or whatever, I'd see an opportunity all of a sudden the thought, man, why don't you go after that? Of course, the heart rate goes up, start getting nervous and everything. But my, and I didn't, at first, I didn't always, I mean, I always either made an excuse or chickened out or whatever. I didn't do it. But over time, I started doing it. I started looking for opportunities. I started chasing people down. I don't recommend that. I started looking for my posture, my attitude, and my actions began to follow the course of my speech. I saw you, I came upon an accident one time, and there was a lady lying in the middle of the street. There was a big trash truck that this car was kind of smashed up, trash truck was on the side, so obviously there was an accident, young lady in the middle of the street, I didn't know what was wrong with her, I thought she was dead. And it was funny because my heart was, I need to do something about that. I jumped out of the car, I told my said, has 911 been called yet? And because the trash guy was standing by his truck, he said, no, I said, call 911. I go over to the young lady, I begin to pray over her, and I begin to speak life. Now, she wasn't dead, by the way, because I saw she was breathing, but I still don't know what was wrong with her. I just began to speak and declare life over her. And then she sat up, boom. Ambulance came, all the people came, I backed out, took her to the hospital, and later that day she was released. Now, I don't know what was wrong with her. I can't say her insides were all smashed up, and I don't know if there was a big, powerful miracle that happened or not. But I know in my heart, I was willing and ready to do something about the situation. I didn't ask God, God, is it your will for me to lay hands on her? Jesus said, those that believe shall lay hands on the sick. The miracles that I do shall they do also. We see what Jesus did as he walked the earth. I believe that I'm supposed to do the same thing that I get to do the same things that he did. And therefore, my posture, my actions begin to model that. So if you say, oh, I can't do that, I'm not ordained, or I'm just a teenager, or I'm just a kid, I can't do that, then guess what? You're absolutely right. And you won't. And you'll say, man, I never see miracles happen through me. And guess what? You'll be absolutely right. So my question for you is, are you, consi- are you satisfied with that? Are you comfortable? Are you okay with that? You know, about a, it's probably been a couple of years now. <clears throat> and one of my sons, I have five, by the way, one of my sons was not making good choices. Now, I know, I know, all my kids are perfect because I'm a preacher. I understand that. But in this situation, he wasn't making good choices. He's making poor choices. And my wife and I were praying for him, continuing to love him. I mean, that wasn't an issue. It wasn't like we were struggling to keep loving him. And the Lord just reminded me, I was making declarations, and I began to make this declaration over this son. He misses the kingdom. He misses serving the kingdom, and he's tired of living this way. Those are the declarations I was making over this son because he grew up serving the kingdom, loving Jesus. It wasn't that he quit loving Jesus, but his actions, his lifestyle wasn't following Jesus. So I was declaring, he misses serving the kingdom and he's tired of living this way. 
A short time later, maybe a couple, few months, I can't remember the time frame, he called me up. And he said, Dad, I'm tired of living this way. He said, Dad, I miss serving the kingdom. I was with him two weeks ago. And I said, hey, do you remember, you know, probably a couple of years ago, you called me one time and you said these two things. I said, do you remember that? He said, absolutely. Because see, I was wondering, did I just make, did that really happen? You know how your mind can start doing that? Did that really happen? I said, do you remember saying these when you called me? He said, absolutely. I was like, yes. Thank you, Jesus. And then I told him the backstory. His testimony is amazing. It's incredible. When my wife and I, were, we saw him back in, in May in Reading, and we had some time with him alone, and we're talking. He was sharing his testimony of how God brought him to the place he is now and everything, and it's just awesome. And then Lisa got to share her backstory of how the Lord used her to bring him forth, to influence and encourage him. And then this time I got to share mine of this is what the Lord had me do. I made declarations over him concerning his situation and his situation and his reality changed. Many of you have loved ones or people that you're concerned about because they're not walking with the Lord or whatever the case is and you're fretting and you're saying, oh man, they will never do this. They'll never do that. You're confessing what's going on right now. That is not how the Lord operates because see, the Lord has thoughts and plans for them that, are, that may be contrary to what they're doing right now. And he wants us to partner with him and declare those things that are not as though they are. Remember Sarah? The Lord said, you're going to have a baby next year. Ha, 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 Oh, because since you laugh, this is what his name is going to be. Guess what happened the next year? Boom, she had a little baby. When he said that, the baby, they, she wasn't pregnant. You remember when he talked to Abr Abram, and he said, from this point forward, your name shall be called Abraham. Abram means, I believe it means prince or exalted father, something like that. And then Abraham means father of many, of nations. And he didn't even have a kid yet. God declared to him his future. And so every time someone said his name, Abraham, they were declaring his future, even though natural circumstances weren't even close to that. So his name was a declaration every time his name was said. Hey, Father of Nations. Hey, Father of Nations, come here. Hey, Father of Nations, how are you doing? I've shared this story before, but uh, a number of you here may not have heard this. In 2008, there was a group of 10 of us, excuse me, there was a team of six of us from this church that went to Kenya. And many of you have met Joe Ash. He was here last year. He's a brother that we've connected with, uh, an amazing man, awesome, doing great things. And we have the privilege of partnering with him and serving him and, and seeing God do wonderful things. And that man, every time I'm with him, my appreciation and respect for him just, he's the real deal. He is the real deal. He has our endorsement. But years ago, we went on a trip over there. He, he talked to me one time, and he said that they wanted to do a medical clinic. And the only time they could do it, they, they attempted to do that. They got donations of all this medicine and everything. And the plan was to, he hired some doctors, and they got all this medication. 
and their plan was to invite all these people to come, you know, stand in line all day and then have an appointment with the doctor and they tell the doctor their symptoms and then the doctor says, okay, here's what you need. And so they need to go over to the pharmacy and get the medications. I don't have time to explain the whole situation, but getting a bottle of Tylenol over there is like liquid gold. Okay, so it's not, I mean, the, the, common, the economy and poverty and all that kind of stuff, it's, we can't even relate to it. So it's not like they can just go to the doctor or down to the pharmacy and get some medicine or whatever. Sometimes they have to choose between going to the doctor or feeding their family. So anyway, so Joash put this thing together. I can't remember if we sent the money for them to do this or if he, I can't remember that part. Anyway, they attempted to do this and it was in a rainy season, which means it rains every day. And it rained the whole thing out. And so it, it didn't work. It just washed it out. And so a couple of years later, when I was talking to him about coming, and he again told me what was in his heart, this is what he liked to do, have a medical clinic, do the same thing. The only time we could go over there was, guess when? Rainy season. And I've been to Kenya, well, matter of fact, most of the times when we go over there, it's the rainy season. And it rains, and it rains, and it rains. Everything's green and pretty and wet because it's raining all the time. So this team of us, we go to Kenya, and we, um, our goal is to, see, we're, when I asked him, I said, hey, we'd love to do this, you know, so NCF, they financed and, and bought all the medication and everything, and our plan was, I said, when people are in line waiting to meet the doctor, can we lay hands on and pray for them? He said, absolutely, that'd be a wonderful idea. So we're thinking, hey, we've got a lot of sick people coming, so guess what we get to do? We get to lay hands on the sick. And... There were, I think, maybe 1,500 people that we got to minister to that week. I have to ask Joe Ash that number. But anyway, so now we recognize that, remember, this is rainy season. And the first, the team were, were talking ourselves and because it had been raining uh, when we got there. And this whole thing was outdoors, so rain would definitely just wipe everything out. But this, people, this group of people that I was with had this certain mindset and this belief system that the Lord sent us to do this, and so we believe we have authority over the elements that would try to come in contradiction with what God's wanting us to do. So we said, okay, when we open this thing up with prayer, and we made Cornell the point person, said, we want you to pray and make declarations over the weather, the rain, that it's not allowed to rain the whole week while we're here, while we're doing this. The rain is not allowed to interfere. Now, it can rain at night or whatever, but not during the, the event. And so when we got out there and we were with all these hundreds of people, and Cornell began to pray and declare, and it was being interpreted so the, the, the nationals could hear and understand what he was praying, he began to make declarations. No rain, in short. So the first day it didn't rain. The second day it didn't rain. The third day it didn't rain. The fourth day it didn't rain. Whole week it didn't rain. Now, mostly into the week, one of the doctors, one of the, I think she was the head doctor, very sharp, brilliant woman. She got up and shared testimony. She said, people, do you not realize the miracle that we are witnessing? That these people prayed that there would be no rain, and it has not rained all week. And she was praising God because of the weather. Because what they were witnessing. And here's the cool thing. As a result of that week, we got to lay hands on several hundred sick people. And we got to see a number of them get healed. Now, we don't know how many of them got healed. We know a lot of them did. Because we got this brilliant idea on the last day, you know, six days too late. 
But we got this idea on the last day to ask people to share testimony if they got healed. We said, how many of you have received a physical healing in your body? And dozens of people raised their hands, and we begin to have them share. And this is on the last day, and they begin to share how they were healed of this, how they were healed of that. And this is before they got medicine and got to see the doctor. And we laid hands on a lot of people who had AIDS. I mean, eight people, full-blown AIDS. We got to lay hands on them. We were not afraid of, oh, no, what if we get their disease? Because we believe, this group of people that I was with, we believe that greater is he who is in us than AIDS. So we were not afraid to lay our hands on the people. It wasn't like, well, Jesus prayed at a distance. Be healed. We didn't do that. We laid hands on them. We loved on them. And you know, it's interesting because, I mean, some of our people even got on their feet in the dirt and was laying hands on people who had sores and stuff all over. I mean, gross stuff. And they were laying hands on them, praying for them. And one of the things that that doctor said that she noticed, we weren't doing this for show. But not only did she make comment about the weather, but she also commented on how these foreigners, these Americans, were praying for our people and, lo- and, and how we were loving on them and getting in the dirt. That made an impact on them. And all those people who share testimony, <clears throat> now, of course, if you have AIDS, you might not be able to tell right away or be able to confirm if I'm healed, unless you go to a doctor. But I've always wondered, man, did anybody with AIDS get healed? And so I finally remembered to ask Joash last year. I sent him a text. I said, hey, Joash, have you ever heard? Because over the years, this happened in 2008, this clinic that we did, 2008. And all throughout the years, Joash kept saying, I'm still getting testimonies. I'm still receiving testimonies. I'm still running into people on the street, and they're telling me testimonies of how they were healed back at that clinic. And so I asked him, I said, Joash, have you ever heard any testimonies of people getting healed of AIDS? And he said, as a matter of fact, last month, I ran into an old friend, an old, a man that he knew, who was dying of AIDS, and he's totally healed. He said he gained his weight back, he's healthy, and he's happy, and all that kind of thing. Now, here's what I'm thinking. Here's my thought process, where it goes. If we would not have believed that we had authority to do something about the weather, and that clinic would have gotten washed out, Will those people who got healed of AIDS be healed? Now, I can't say absolutely either way, because obviously. But I'm thinking of the people who got helped because we dare to believe and follow Jesus' example. See, many of us Christians would have a problem. When I talk about praying against rain or praying against tornadoes and that kind of thing, Some of us, it it causes our, we go into dissonance because it's like, wait a minute, hold on a second, time out. What are you talking about? And I understand, I mean, I used to understand. I remember one time I was in in a store here in town years ago, and a brother, I mean, I love this guy, he was a manager, and there was a, you know, big storm coming towards Stillwater, you know, tornadoes, all that kind of stuff. And he said something about the weather. Oh, yeah, tornadoes and weather and all that kind of stuff. And I said, yeah, it's time for us to pray against that. I just, it just came out. And he said, well, you never know what God's wanting to do. And I wasn't going to argue. Look, man, you're all messed up. But it just shows, I mean, it's the common mindset of a lot of us Christians. And so I challenge you, 
Let's see what the Word of God says. And like I was saying earlier, when we truly begin to believe what He says about us and agree with what He wants to do through us, then we will see amazing and powerful things happen around us. When we believe what He says, and we agree that He wants to do it through us, then we will see amazing things happen. And see, it's not about just seeing cool stuff happen. We're talking about people living because you laid hands on them, where they would have died. We're talking 1,500 people who got helped physically or with a doctor and medication who wouldn't have otherwise got that help if the rain would have washed the whole thing out. Are you hearing me? Have I lost you yet? Then I want to share some, uh, this book talks about objections to declarations. I just want to share some of those. Common objections to making of declarations. <coughs> Excuse me. Some object to the teaching about declarations because of abuses they have seen or things they have heard during the positive confession movement. Certainly, there are many poor examples by the proponents of positive confession teaching. One of the most common problems was the perception that confessions were mainly used for personal gain, money, Cadillacs, life of pleasure, etc., instead of kingdom advancement. Another negative characteristic of this movement was the tendency of people who embraced this teaching to be critical of others who made negative confessions. In other words, people became word police. If they heard you say a negative confession, man, I don't feel good today. Ah, 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 ah. Watch that, co that confession. I don't want to hear that. And they became police, and they would police your speech. And that just gets old, okay? <laughs> Let me just tell you, that just gets really old. And that's what was happening. People were just going overboard. And so for good reason, people were kind of becoming, becoming critical. Um, so another reason... These incessant promise speakers often overemphasize the power of words while underemphasizing other important aspects of the Christian life. And finally, the message fell into disrepute, disrepute because many of the confessions made by people did not happen, including some well-publicized situations where people actually died after refusing medical care because where they, they were standing on their confession. So some people were making this declaration and they weren't taking their kids to the doctor because they were making their confession and their kids died. That's not good. That's not a good situation at all. Husbands, if you're making these declarations over your child or whoever in your family and your wife's saying, we need to take Charlie to the doctor, you need to take Charlie to the doctor. Just keep making your declarations on the way. Going to the doctor is not going to negate what God's wanting to do. He might even use the doctor to help little Charlie. And that is not a second-rate healing. Did you hear that? If you have cancer and the doctors and medical science is able to help you, and all of a sudden there's no more cancer, thank you, Jesus. Where do you think men get that knowledge from anyway? So let's, let's not be crazy and, and get over balance. 
I mean, that's some, if, you know, when I'm praying for my kids and family and everything, and if the situation's not changing or whatever, and my wife says, you know, honey, I really feel like we should take him or her to the doctor. <coughs> like, okay, if, if it's not a, an urgent situation, I say, okay, let's just give it a little more time. And keep praying, keep praying, and the next day nothing's changed. Like, okay, let's go ahead and take them to the doctor. I mean, let's learn and grow as we're moving forward. Let's not be presumptuous and say, I declared it, so what's going to happen? I mean, if your faith is on that level, there should be fruit. And I'm not going to argue with that. But if you're just naming it and claiming it and nothing's happening and people are dying, I have an issue with that. <clears throat> Let's see, another objection. Isn't this just a formula that one can, can do apart from intimacy with God? Now, if, you, if you're being challenged and encouraged to make declarations, but you're not being encouraged to have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, then you've missed everything that I, I believe in. See, John chapter 15, verse 7, Jesus said, if you abide in me, which means to me intimate relationship, communion, if you abide in me and my word is at home in you, then shall you ask whatever you desire and I will do it. Now, a lot of times we want to focus on the end result. He said I can have what I say. That's part C. But we've got to remember part B and A. Abide in him, his word abide in me, then I can have C. To me, it's all about relationship with him. It's all about gaining the heart of the king knowing what he wants, and see, when you become intimately acquainted with him, then guess what? What beats, what causes his heart to beat is going to cause your heart to beat. If he cares about people, which I am very suspicious that he does, if he cares about people and you get close to him, then guess what? You're going to start caring about loving people. And then as you see what Jesus did as he moved, he saw people, people came up to him, he did something about their situation you're going to start acting like your big brother. You're going to see people in, in dire circumstances, people who need miracles, and in your heart you're going to say, you know what, if Jesus were here, he would do something about this. Jesus isn't here physically, but he's here through me. And I think he still wants to do something about this. So we're not talking about just some formula where you just name it and claim it and say stuff. It's about having a relationship with him, and partnering with him in his kingdom. Here's a good one. Can declarations be a presumptuous attempt to override God's sovereignty in our lives? This question goes to the heart of whether or not we believe our beliefs and actions actually influence what happens on planet Earth and impacts the quality of our lives. There are two extremes concerning this. On one side, there are those who believe our lives are completely predestined by God and cannot be altered. On the other hand, some feverishly proclaim we can have whatever we speak without any acknowledgement of the larger purpose God might have for us. The authors of this book believe the answer is somewhere in between. In between these perspectives and would emphasize much more a person's ability to create history rather than be a robotic pawn. Yes, a man's steps are ordered of the Lord, Proverbs 20, 24, but it is clear throughout Scripture <coughs> that we have been given delegated authority by God to increase our talents, Matthew 25, control the devil's activity, James 4, 7, hasten the return of Christ, 2 Peter 3, 12, increase personal prosperity, Psalms 1, 1 through 3, bring peace and blessing to our cities, 
1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, and remove spiritual mountains with our words and faith. Each of us will need to work out for ourselves how we balance the truth of God's sovereignty with the great God-given spiritual weapon of declarations to make things happen for ourselves and others. It is important to understand that we won't have something just because we say something, but saying something is vital to having something. Did you catch that last sentence? It is important to understand that we won't have something just because we say something, but saying something is vital for having something. And there are a few more other good objections that they, that they cover. So I hope you understand we're not talking about just opening your lips and just saying whatever. But out of our intimacy with him, out of our relationship with him, as you read his word and see what, what God's heart is all about, and you begin to partner with that, and then realize, you know what? He has given me authority. Not so I can show off and say, look how big and bad I am. But it's so that we can do what the police motto is to serve and protect. I'm going to share next week what I believe is a kingdom assignment that the Lord is inviting us into as a church. I'm going to share that next week. But I am excited about it. I'm even starting to lose sleep a little bit because I'm excited just laying there thinking about how excited I am about this. You know, when, the, when a tornado, when they talk about storms and tornadoes coming towards Payne County, I take, personal, I take a personal offense. I take it personal, not from God. I don't believe God's the one that brings tornadoes anyway. But when we hear about these, these life-threatening situations coming to our home, I take it personally. It'd be just as if in my house, Someone were coming to try to rob or bring harm to my family. I would take issue with that. And I'm letting you know that I would do something about that. Now, at this point in time, I don't know what, but we're going to neutralize the threat. I feel the same way about tornadoes, when we have these big grass fires like we did three years ago. You remember when the, when the fires, speaking of fires, when they came and, and uh, they were all over the place and there was one heading right towards the city of Glencoe. And I live outside of Glencoe and it was heading for our house and Glencoe and, and it was, matter of fact, they evacuated Glencoe. They evacuated. We were in Minnesota and we were getting text alerts, uh, texts from our neighbors and it was bad. It was a bad situation. And so there's a, there's a team of people um, who have a certain mindset that I tend to agree with, that we get to do something, that we can partner with the Lord and do something about these situations. So I sent them an alert, and I said, we need to pray because the fire is heading. It's heading right towards Glencoe, and it's heading, it's like a mile and a half from our house or something like that. It was really close. Within moments, the wind changed direction, and the fire stopped right outside of Glencoe. And Mike Morgan on Channel 4 News even made a comment. I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said something about wind direction, and it caused the fire to stop. He declared what happened. Now, I didn't call him up and say, hey, Mike, guess what? We prayed. But I really believe because of the prayers of the saints, because of the authority that the saints took in that situation, lives were spared or houses were spared. I don't think anybody would have necessarily died, but all that destruction would have happened to serve and protect.
It's all about loving people. It's all about releasing God's kingdom. So here's what I'm going to close with. What am I encouraging you to do? Bottom line. Just give me the bottom line. Forget all this preaching stuff. Just give me the bottom line. I highly recommend that you buy this book. I'm not making any... Matter of fact, I'm losing money on this. I lose $2 every time you buy one. But I just want to get these in your hands. And if we run out, you can get them online. You can get the Kindle version. I mean, you can get it right there on your phone right now. But it's a very uh, encouraging and practical book. But the bottom line is, is I want you to begin to add the discipline of making declarations over your life every day. I want you to add that to your repertoire of weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And every, every bit of knowledge or thought or whatever that, that tries to rise up against the knowledge of God, we cast them down, we tear them down. And that warfare that it's talking about, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, that's talking about the warfare in your thinking. It's talking about our thought process that is against the knowledge of God. And one of the weapons that we have is your speech. So my challenge for you is to begin to make declarations and whatever, I have them on my phone. I keep forgetting to put them in my bathroom mirror, but I have them on my phone. I have my phone with me all the time, so I pull my phone out all the time, and I'm just making declarations. I encourage you to do whatever it takes to help you remember to do it. That's the, the deal. Because if you put them on your bathroom mirror in the guest bathroom and you never go in the guest bathroom, it's probably not going to be too effective. I am really excited I'm going to end with this. I'm extremely excited about revival. But I believe the Lord has changed my thinking, my thought process on what revival looks like. I used to think of revival as being wonderful, powerful meetings inside the church. Whether it's on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, where we just have amazing, powerful presence of God manifest, and we're just, our lives are being transformed, changed. And to me, that was the total sum of revival. Or that's, how I, that's what I focused on. But now what I'm realizing is that's part of it, but the big part is transformation. When the city and the communities began to be affected by what's going on in the church. And I think that's what we're missing. You know, we have a great time here. We get full of hope, but there are people out there dying and full of despair. And this hope in here needs to spill out there. And I believe the Lord's given us strategies and ways practically that we can partner with him to begin to see transformation in this city. I believe we get to do something about the crime rate. I believe we get to do something about the drug usage that has skyrocketed in this community. I met with the sheriff a couple of weeks ago, talked to him about these things. Violent crime going up, drug use out of control. I believe we can do something about that, just like we can tornadoes. We're going to talk about that next week. Would you stand with me? I do have books up here if anybody wants to purchase them.
Just put your $10 in the offering box in an envelope. <coughs> now, if you agree with this word, I'm not asking you to make a commitment to me. I'm not going to follow up with you on this. Now, I might ask you if I see you, but I'm, I'm challenging you to make a commitment to the Lord and maybe to your spouse. You might tell your spouse so they can keep you accountable and encourage you. But to be practical about these declarations over yourself. Making them, the book kind of helps you with that. You don't have to have the book for that, obviously. And doing it on a daily basis. But I encourage you to make that a part of your life. And so I even want to encourage you right now, I'm going to give you a few seconds, just with the Lord, to make that commitment if that's something you want to do. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and you talk to him, and you tell him what you're going to do right now. Father, I thank you that when your word is spoken, when you're talking to your kids, you give us the very grace, the power, the strength that we need, the joy to accomplish what it is you're challenging and encouraging us to do. So I thank you as we step out in faith and practically begin to, to do this. I thank you that your grace is going to help us, encourage us, motivate us, and remind us. I thank you for what you're doing in this body. I thank you, Father, that you're, you're raising that, that thing in us that makes us less satisfied with doing things as usual. And we hunger to partner with you and see a difference made in people's lives. To see many people come into the kingdom. To see people healed, set free, marriages restored, families restored, cities transformed. For the glory of God. We thank you, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.